0: You're, you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. I, it's time to wake up with the Morning Boys. On Worldwide Sports Radio Network. And here's your host, Ryan Hickey. Ryan Hickey.
1: Good Thursday morning and welcome into the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. It is the Morning Boys with Ryan Hickey right here on this gorgeous, gorgeous Thursday morning. And let's take a quick second here. Take a, take a nice sniff of the air. Take a, a deep breath. You guys smell that? You guys feel that? That's baseball in the air. Opening day for Major League Baseball is today. It's been a long time since March 11th, really March 12th, when the sports world came to a screeching halt. With the coronavirus, we've gotten a lot of ups, a lot of downs, a lot of shows, and a lot of time spent here, especially on this show. Heeming and hawing about the MLB uh, negotiations between the players and the owners. Being very pessimistic that a deal will come through and that we'll have baseball in some sort of fashion in 2020. And thankfully through all that, through all the lows, it's been a a rollercoaster of emotions these last four or five months, that's for sure. We have finally made it. Opening day is here, Yankees Nationals tonight, Dodgers Giants later on tonight, and a full slate of baseball tomorrow. (sighs) It's so good to have baseball in the air, and we made it, sports fans. We made it. Sports are back, NBA and NHL next week. uh, NFL is going to go with training camps, and it is is a good time to be alive. (laughs) I will tell you that. 2020 has been awful, awful, up until July 23rd. Um, But finally, there's a light at the end of the tunnel. There's something to be happy about and there's actual sports. Actual sports talk about no coronavirus talk, no pandemic talk, no guessing. Will we have sports? Will we not have sports? This is a great, great time to be alive and to talk some real baseball. Cause guess what? We are talking real baseball. We are talking real sports. MLB season prediction. We'll give you all the division winners, the the wild card winners, the world series matchup, and your world series champion. Speaking of the world series. Looking at the season, looking at all 30 teams in a weird, wild 60-game season where literally anything can happen, right? In theory, if you want to look at it, a lot of of teams have said basically, look, 60 games to go, we're tied for first place. Everyone's in the pennant race. So how many World Series contenders are there? Truly World Series contenders. It's a weird year. It's a wacky year. So this favors maybe teams like the White Sox. A lot of young talent. Could they come together and get off to a hot start? Could this favorite team, obviously, you know, the Dodgers, most talented team in baseball, just got even you know, more talented for a longer period of time as they signed Mookie Betts yesterday to a massive extension. Angels, this is this of the year Mike Trout can get a playoff series win under his belt? What will guys, how many World Series contenders there are um, at 920, 940. Rumors now, because this, of course, wouldn't be 2020 without some wackiness, without some weirdness. Despite today being opening day, let's see, it's 9 o'clock, opening day is just about 10 hours or so away from right now where we, where we talked. Still, now, there's some rumors last night that John Heyman's reporting that MLB could still expand the playoffs from the current 10 teams to possibly 16 teams for this season. They have 10 hours to get it done, but we could have possible playoff expansion. And we also, right now, currently have the Toronto Blue Jays without a home. So opening day, we still have no clue where the Blue Jays are going to play, and we still have an idea or possibly no idea of whether playoffs will be expanded or not. But if the playoffs do get approved, and if the playoffs do expand from 10 teams to 16 teams, I'll explain to you why it hurts this season, not helps it. Top of the second hour, 10 o'clock Eastern. I need your help. Listeners out there, I I really do need your help. Obviously, every, every show, I start and end with the show, stay safe and stay sane. I feel like for the most part, sports has been a very, and this show specifically, has been a very, at least for me, a gateway to at least trying to stay sane. Speaking my mind, having you guys chime in as well, it's nice to have some interaction. Because obviously, as we know, with the lockdown, with the quarantine, it's tough to have any human interaction. It's very easy to get shut in. So I do appreciate the interaction we've had throughout, you know, these three or four months. It's been very tough. But really, today, more than ever, I need your help. Because I feel like I've stayed sane for the most part since March. But hearing this NBA MVP talk, Hearing the momentum that one player is getting, it's honestly driving me insane. I need your help to make sure I'm the one not going crazy. That it's a, a few NBA reporters, a few NBA analysts. The other one's going to go crazy. We'll discuss what that is and why there's only one answer for the MVP award. We'll do that at 10 o'clock. 10 2020 apocalypse, we had Lauren Clark advance in the Elite Eight. She is the first one in the Final Four. We will crown a second Final Four contestant. Number three seed, Sarah chong the first one to get four correct on the show. We'll go against Nick, my guy from Penn State, the number 6 seed. it would be a great, great heavyweight matchup. Two great personalities, mind you. So this should be a lot of fun to we'll do that 10-20. And to finish the show, where well, there's more harm than good by the NFL canceling the preseason. I'll explain what that is. But like I said, today's opening day. Baseball, real baseball, games that count will be played today. So why not? Let's get crazy. Let's get nuts. Let's start doing some MLB season predictions in a year that is going to be unpredictable. In a year that, honestly... A lot of us have no clue what to expect or what could happen. Let's give you some predictions that will guarantee to be wrong in two months from now. But, hey, who knows? Even a blind squirrel finds a nut here or there. Let's see what we can do. We'll go division by division. And we're going to assume, because I did this yesterday, before all the stories came out about a possible postseason expansion, which could be 16 teams. So, I mean, basically it's more than half the league. So I'm not going to give you more than half the league as the playoffs. So we'll do two Wild cards like it's a, like it's a normal year, and we'll tear the World Series champ, but we'll start in the A, at least, pretty easy. It's going to be the Yankees. I mean, they addressed their biggest, their biggest need, their biggest question mark was a big time starting ace pitcher. They do that with Garrett Cole. Finally, after resetting the market for pitchers, finally after getting that big shiny piece in uh, in the off season, they finally get to trot him on the mound and uh, see what they got in their big ace, Garrett Cole, going against Max Scherzer tonight. So the Yankees, to me, easy as long as they can stay healthy. Uh, They will win the AL East. AL Central, I feel like it is the same sort of easiness with a pick. I do like the Twins. Their offense last year was absolutely loaded. They set an MLB record 307 home runs last year, and they added on top of that by signing Josh Donaldson in the offseason. So there's going to be no shortage of run production. There's going to be no shortage of fireworks in that lineup. So obviously their big question mark was starting pitching. Will they have enough pitching? And that's going to be a theme. This year, especially in a shortened year, how is your bullpen going to be? How is your starting pitching going to be? Those are the strong bullpens and strong starting staffs. They'll fail well. Twins helped that They added Rich Hill. They added to Maeda, so at least they bolstered their starting rotation and gave them a chance. I think they'll win the AL Central going away yet again. And the AL West, similar, I will go with the Astros. I know three favorites, Yankees, Twins, Astros. I'm sorry I couldn't give anything crazy, anything sexy, but I'm not going to lie to you. I'm not going to say something with shock value just to say, yeah, the Rays will win the AL East. The White Sox will win the AL Central. I can't do it. I know it's boring. I know it's easy to say, okay, let's look at you know the favorites. Let's look at the, the Vegas odds. Who's going to win the division? Oh, it's the favorites for all three. But the Astros, I mean, for everything that, that's happened this offseason, which for them, I'm sure it's felt like 10 years for how long this offseason lasted, they still have an insane, insane lineup. They still have Jose Altuve. They still have George Springer. You have Alex Bregman. You have Carlos Correa. You have Yuli Gurriel. You have Jordan Alvarez, who, as a rookie last year, burst onto the scene and was great. That the, that core is still there. And if you believe Major League Baseball, that cheating by the Astros never happened in 2019. Right, It happened in 2017. Maybe it happened before that, but it happened in 2018. 2019, they were clean. This is a team that still went to the World Series, still went seven games in the World Series. They are really, really, really good. Their pitching depth is questionable. That's where I have a little bit of pause. I like Justin Verlander. He's going to be healthy now. Remember, we had that groin injury in spring training. He's going to be fully healthy. But I can't say I'm confident in Zach Ranke. Can't say feel good about the bullpen arms that left in free agency this year. But with that said, because they have one of the best young cores, maybe the best young core outside of the Dodgers, in baseball, I'll take the Astros to win the AL West. So Yankees AL East, Twins AL Central. Astros, ALS, let's go to the National League. I think this is a little bit of an upset pick here. I'm going to go with the reigning World Series champions. I think the Nationals will win the NL East this year. Because like I just said, pitching is going to be key. ESPN did this survey. They, they talked to 18 general managers, assistant general managers, scouts. And they asked them basically what, what to expect this year. In a shortened year, what is important? What are you looking for? What are some important traits for teams that want to be contenders, that want to make the playoffs, that want to win divisions? And out of voting, they said pitching is going to be the top priority. Well, when you look at the Nationals, Max Scherzer, Steven Strasburg, Patrick Corbin, the best one-two-three punch in all of baseball. Not to mention, with a 60-game season, let's say every starting pitcher gets around 12, 11 or 12 starts, right, depending on how you want to finagle, but you, every starting pitcher is going to get about 11 or 12 starts this year. Well, 12 starts for Scherzer. Twelve starts for Strasburg, twelve starts for Corbin. That's thirty-six right there. That's over half the season. Those three will start. I'll take my odds. I'll I'll gamble that the best three, the best one-two-three punch. Excuse me, in baseball, pitching-wise, pitching and starting half the games. I'll I'll, I'll still roll with the Nationals, despite Ryan Zimmerman sitting out, despite Joe Ross sitting out, despite Anthony Rendon leaving in free agency. I still really like the Nationals. I think the Nationals are getting slept on. It's crazy to think. But the NL East is going to be competitive. The Mets, I think, are really balanced. The Braves obviously have a, another great young core. They, made, they won the division last year. But I'm going to roll with the Nationals. i pitching to me is king. I'll roll with the team with the best pitching staff. And similar to how they won the World Series, remember this: they had one of the worst bullpens in baseball last year, and they still won the World Series because they rode their starters. They got big time performances out of their starters. I'm going to do. I, I'm going to think that that's going to happen again. I'll roll with the Nationals to win the NL East. NL Central. This is, I mean. And of every division, I think this is the biggest toss-up. I really, I think all four, any four of the teams—the Reds, the Cubs, the Cardinals—I'll throw the Brewers in there—could win the division because honestly, I, there's not much separating the four. So I'm going to go with the Reds. I'm going to go out in the Reds because honestly, I look around at the rest of the division. There's not many teams I trust to get the job done. The Cubs have a great, great lineup. Their pitching scares the hell out of me. Their bullpen stinks, their starting pitching is very shaky and older. The Cardinals, to be honest, have only gotten worse than they've gotten better. Jordan Hicks, their phenom closer, who regularly hits triple digits on the radar gun, is out. Their pitching is okay. Their starting pitching is okay. Their lineup is on is on the older side. They're another year older. That's that that is a little concerning as well. And they lost one of their best hitters in Marcelo Zuna. So that, that, to me, the Cardinals don't scare me. The Brewers, I mean, talk about a mass exodus. Cut, cut salary just to give Christian Yelich a major extension. Their pitching is worrisome. Their lineup outside of um, Christian Yelich is worrisome. So I'm going to go with the Reds. I really am. I like what they did this offseason. I like their pitching staff. I like their bullpen. Luis Castillo is a, is a great ace for them. They have that number one guy. They have enough enough depth, excuse me, behind them to get it done. So and in the NL Central, I think is the biggest toss-up out of all the divisions so far in baseball in the short season. I'll go with the Reds to capture the NL Central and easily we'll finish off the NL West with the Dodgers. I mean, this is all state of the Dodgers. Best team in baseball. That that's how we get started. it, that's how we'll end it. They're already a great team last year, and they only get better by adding and signing Mookie Betts. One of the best players in all of baseball. So NL West Dodgers, NL Central Reds, NL East Nats, AL West Astros, AL Central Twins, AL East Yankees. Those are my six division winners. We'll go to the wild card. Like I said, assuming that there's no expanded playoffs, I'll take both teams at least for the NL wild card out of the NL East. I think the Mets and the Braves are two teams that are going to make the playoffs. I really do. As I said the Central. I don't trust anyone. I think the Central's a one playoff team because none of those four teams that are in the race I think are elite. And on the same level as the Mets and Braves, the NL West, the same thing. The downbacks had some nice acquisitions. They were in it till the end last year for the wild card chase. I just don't trust them to do it again. The Padres, I think, are a year or two away. And really, everyone else is going to stink. So I'm going the Mets. Like I said, I think they are very balanced. Their lineup is balanced. Their pitching staff is balanced. I'm a little concerned their depth is going to be tested. Right? Marcus Stroman going, uh, tearing his calf now, going on the AL. is really going to uh, put into question that depth that they have at pitching. They have the best pitcher in baseball and Jacob DeGrom. On paper, this is important. On paper, their bullpen is one of the best in baseball and one of the biggest areas of improvement for this team. They needed help in the bullpen last year. They really struggled. They added to it. They have Dylan Patances. You hope Jerry Familia and Edwin Diaz aren't worse than they are last year, which watching them last year, it's hard to do, but it is baseball. And I love the the top of the order. You have Jeff McNeil, Pete Alonzo, Michael Conforto, Wilson Ramos, J.D. Davis, they're legit hitters. You add in UNSS, but if you can get some sort of contribution from him, it's a deep lineup. So I think they'll tread some water early. But once they get Marcus Stroman back, that kind of levels off some of the pitching depth. I like the Mets. They're very well balanced. And the Braves, same thing. One of the best lineups in baseball. Freddie Freeman is a stud. He's a professional. Ronald Acuna Jr., one of the young rising stars in this game. Yvazi Alves, again, part of that really young core that the Braves tried out there. The thing that concerns me, why I'm not pitching, or why I'm not pitching pi- well, there's a the reason why I'm not picking them to win the division. They're pitching to scare me. Their pitching, I think, can prevent them from winning a World Series and winning the division, let alone um, because they're relying basically on a lot of young pitching in Mike Soroka and Max Fried and really hoping that they can capitalize and even be better than they were last year. So the NL Wilds card for me, the Mets and the Braves, AL Wilds card to go, repeat the last year, Rays and the A's. The Rays might be one of the best teams that no one really looked at last year. They won ninety-six games last year in a tough division. And in the year where Blake Snell, a usual ace, a usual dominant pitcher, number one for the for Tampa Bay, didn't really have his usual dominant season. So he'll bounce back yet. Jose Martinez from the, the Cardinals, a big power bat to add there in your lineup. Not to mention, the way they play, they're very flexible. They always move guys around, whether it's the the bullpen, whether it's a starting rotation. They, they're very flexible, especially with their pitching staff, which you have to be this year. I think that style pays well for the Rays. I think they'll get a wild card. And the A's, a great one-two punch of Marcus Simeon, Matt Chapman. Solid pitching all around. And this is another team that won 97 games this year no one's talking about. The Rays and the A's are two of the best teams in baseball, but because they're in the same division as the Astros and the Yankees who both had great years last year. And the Yankees, despite all these injuries, they were overshadowed. The Rays put up a fight in the playoffs uh, against the Astros. So Rays and the A's in the wild card. Mets and Braves in the uh, NL wild card. My World Series, again, I'm sorry. I'm going chalk here. But to me, especially in a short season, talent is going to win out. I have the Dodgers and Astros in the World Series. To me, the Dodgers, no one's on the Dodgers level in the NL. I think the National Braves and Mets are in the second level, but no one close right now to where the Dodgers are. And in the AL, I think the Yankees overall have a, better, have a more talented team because I like their pitching rotation. Their bullpen is the best in baseball. And their starter rotation got a big, big boost with Garrett Cole. But I'll be honest, my biggest concern and why I'm not picking the Yankees here to go to the World Series, I can't trust them to be healthy. In a 60-game season, nonetheless, more than ever, you have an oblique tweak, you, you know you have a little groin strain, Two or three weeks is a massive chunk of time. And you have guys like John Carlos Stanton, like Aaron Judge, like Aaron Hicks, big parts of your team that can't be relied upon to stay healthy. So I'm significantly concerned that if one of those guys goes down, they'll be out for a long period of time, and that'll be the difference as to why the Astros will get back to the World Series um, again for the second year in a row, a third time in four years. And to me... This is the Dodgers year. If you're if they can't win this year, honestly, I'm not sure when they're gonna win. They've gotten close. On paper, they've had the most talented team now for it feels like the past four or five years. Well, you know what happens when they get to the playoffs. It's a question mark. It's scary. I think this is the year the Dodgers finally, finally, finally chase those ghosts of nineteen eighty eight, get rid of the yips in the playoffs, and finally win the World Series. And deliver on all that talent that they have on that team. So I'm gonna go the Dodgers over the Astros in the World Series. What is your World Series matchup? Love to hear yours. Baseball is back. We are talking sports. So let me know at, at Facebook, World Health Sports or Network. If you want to tweet us, WWSRN underscore radio, it's WWSRN underscore radio. If you want to tweet personally, Ryan underscore hickey in the number three, Ryan Hickey, Ryan underscore hickey, excuse me. And the number three. What is your world series matchup? Who is the world series champion? For 2020s we're talking baseball here on opening day and speaking of baseball speaking of the world series i just laid out every division winner i give you every uh card team in my world series matchup but looking at the overall context of the season look at every all 20 uh excuse me all 30 teams how many world series contenders are there because not every team that wins the division is going to contend for the world series how truly how many world series contenders are there i'll give your number i'd love to hear yours i'll give you Give you my World Series number. Excuse me. I'd love to hear yours. Again, Worldwide Sports Radio Network on Facebook, WWSRN underscore radio on Twitter. What is your World Series matchup? We'll get to that when the Morning Boys Ronnie K. return right here on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network.
0: You're, you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. It, it, it's time to wake up with the Morning Boys on Worldwide Sports Radio Network. And here's, and your, here's host, your host, Ryan Hickey. Ryan Hickey. Ryan Hickey.
2: Welcome back. Your dreams were your ticket. I and we
1: welcome, welcome you back, back, back here on the Worldwide Sports Radio and Network. And we welcome baseball like back. About. A lot of ugliness well, the with the negotiations, a lot of doubt that the season would get played, a lot of frustration. From fans and players and owners alike that a deal will never get done in a year where fans, more than ever, would love to see baseball in a year where maybe baseball will be able to get more fans in because there's nothing else going on. They might find a way to mess it up, but thankfully, they're able to get everything together, come to an agreement, and now we have real baseball to talk about today. Opening day for Major League Baseball for 2020, the first major sport back, and it is good to have baseball back. And we are taking your thoughts. What is your World Series matchup? I have Dodgers-Astros with the Dodgers winning. We'll get yours. Again, whether you want to write on, to write on Facebook, World Health Sports WorldSportsRadioNeric, whether you want to write on or tweet us at Twitter, WWSRN underscore radio, WWSRN underscore radio. Uh, we'll read your thoughts. My guy, Brett, Brett Snyder goes, Let's go, Phils. It's going to be... Right, I'm not gonna lie. NL East is gonna be tough this year. I think the the Phillies, despite this the splashy signing last year by Bryce Harper, despite a nice signing this year, probably over definitely overpaying for Zach Wheeler. I say the Phillies in fourth place. Can't lie. I think the Braves are better, I think the Nationals are better, I think the Mets are better. It's gonna be interesting to see what the Phillies can do with Joe Girardi as their new manager. How much was Gabe Kapler not getting enough out of his team? How much is it? Just the Phillies just aren't as talented. They they've come into a tough time where Three other teams are rising up and are more talented than them, so we'll see. But Brett is pumped up. Let's go Phillies! He writes, and uh, we are pumped up as well. So speaking of which, we gave you every division winner, gave you the the, uh, the wild card teams for each league, and again gave you the World Series matchup: Dodgers, Astros, with the Dodgers winning. But looking at the landscape of all you know, Major League Baseball, thirty teams, how many World Series contenders truly are there? Because just because you win the division doesn't mean you're a World Series contender. Spoiler: I said the Reds will win the NL Central. Do you know, I think the Reds are real contenders to win the World Series this year? Do so I think they're real threats to the Dodgers, to the Nationals, to the Braves to win the World Series? I don't. So just because you win the division doesn't mean that you are a World Series contender. Just like the, just like the NFL, right? We talk about Super Bowl contenders. Because a team wins the division doesn't mean they're automatically now real threats or real contenders to win. So for me, I look at the landscape of baseball. I think there's only six teams that are true World Series contenders that can actually win a World Series this year. Only six. In a wacky year, in a shortened year where really, again, anything can happen, in, in theory, on July 23rd, every team is tied for first place in their division. So which should tell you, okay, you know, a large majority of teams should have a chance to win the World Series, should have a chance to make the playoffs. Especially in a sport, I think it's safe to say this, that has the most parity of any major sport when it comes to the playoffs. Like the NBA, obviously, the, the higher seeds always win. It's a very rare exception that the higher seeds in basketball don't win. Hockey, I think, is wide open. The NFL, for the most part, there's some parity. But for the most part, the better teams win. The healthier teams win. But baseball, I, I truly think more than any other sport, once you get in the playoffs, truly any team could win. I think the Nationals were a perfect example of that last year. Last team in, worst bullpen in baseball, still won the World Series. They beat the Dodgers. They beat the Astros. They earned their way there. But with that said, I think this year more than ever, there's only six World Series contenders. Just because you get to the playoffs doesn't mean they actually win the World Series. I think in a shortened year, to me, talent wins out over anything else. So I'll go six teams. First, I think it's the Yankees. I mean, like I said, the great overall roster. Their biggest thing holding them back for the most part the last few years has been health and has been starting pitching. Well, they added a bona fide ace with Garrett Cole. It helps shore up the starting rotation, so now you have a great ace every fifth day. Their bullpen is the best in baseball. In a short season, you're going to need bullpen. You're going to need a lot. they have the best one in baseball. So the Yankees, to me, as long as they, as long as they stay healthy, one of the best overall rosters in baseball, they are a world tier contender right behind them, the Astros. The Yankees have a great roster. Astros have a great lineup. I just hinted on earlier with why I gave their reasons to, uh, for they're going to win the AL West and they have a ton, a ton of talent up and down the lineup. There's really no easy out in that lineup. A lot of young talent, a lot of really good talent, a lot of elite talent. You have Justin Verlander, who you're going to really rely on a lot this year. He's healthy. He's coming off a Cy Young. Had a great season last year. Now they especially, you're going to need him more than ever, because you lose Garrett Cole. Zach Greinke, I think, is more of a question mark than you would think at this time, but him, you know, his performance going over to Houston last year after the trade uh, from Arizona looks well, a lot to be desired. Personally, I, I do believe that. So I think, but you have Justin Verlander, one of the best pitchers in baseball. You're going to have to rely on him a lot. I'm concerned about the exodus in the bullpen. I really am. But to me, they're still. I mean that that talent that they have. Talent wins out in the end. The Astros are definitely World Series champions. So Yankees, Astros. For me, those are the only two teams in the AL. By the way, that's it i get to the teams I left off as kind of an honorable mention here in a little bit once I give you the other four teams. But for me, the AL, it's only two teams, the Astros or the Yankees. It's going to be the Yankees and the Astros and the ALCS. I don't see any team, barring a miracle, barring some sort of hot streak that we don't really see coming. It's only going to be one or two teams in the AL, I think. Those two are head and shoulders above um, – excuse me, better – than the rest of the American League. Let's go to the National League. I think there's a little more parity here. I think there's a little more opportunity for some craziness to happen, a little more opportunity maybe for some uncertainty once the playoffs get going. We'll go to the Analyst. I have three teams I truly believe that are World Series contenders coming out of the Analyst. We'll start with the Nationals. Like I said, best one, two, three punch of baseball. Max Scherzer, Steven Strasburg, Patrick Corbin. When you have those three starting over half your games for you in a short 60-game season... Yeah, I think the the Nationals are definitely World Series champions, uh, World Series contenders. I mean, think about how they won the World Series. They won the World Series last year because they rode those three pitchers, and they got timely outs in their bullpen. So why not? Why can't they replicate that recipe again? It's a short year. You don't have to worry about conserving, you know, innings or conserving your arms. They're only making twelve starts this year. So I think it's going to be foot on the gas from day one. I and mean, when you're going one, two, three, murderers row that way, I think the Nationals are in a real good position to go back to the World Series and contend again. Juan Soto is a stud. He honestly, as a Mets fan, and I hate to say this because he just kills the Mets and the Mets play him 18 times a year, so it's tough to watch. But he is honestly becoming one of my favorite players that's on a Met. He just is a joy, an honest joy to watch anytime he plays. He, he is that good. His approach to the plate is great. He has so much confidence as a young player. And he does it all. He hits well. He hits for power. He hits for average. Plays great defense. He is a guy that's honestly fun to watch. And I think he will really assume even a bigger role now with Anthony Rendon, Anthony Rendon gone and Ryan Zimmerman opting out. He's going to be the centerpiece. You have Victor Robles, who's a speed stern center. Eric Thames, I think, is a, a decent replacement for Ryan Zimmerman. Let's be honest here. Ryan Zimmerman's loss is going to be more of a leadership role than it's going to be on the field. Eric Thames at least gives you a chance. He has some pop. So he gave you a shot at first base. There's not too much of a drop-off, I'll say, between Ryan Zimmerman at the plate and Eric Thames at the plate. So I like the National League. Again, they're starting pitching, especially they're going to ride that. Um, they're a World Series contender. I'll go with the Braves as well. A great young ba- uh, great young lineup. Ron Acuna Jr. is right there with Juan Soto. There's two guys. Pair, pair him with, uh, with Cody Bellinger, the three faces of baseball in the National League. Three young rising stars that are going to be here for a very long time. And when you look at the lineup of Acuna, Ozzie Albis, Freddie Freeman, I love the addition of Marcelo Zuna. It's a gauntlet for pitchers. That's that's a tough ask to get through that lineup two or three times a night. And not to mention, not only to they have great at-bats, not only they have a deep lineup, excuse me, they're also great defensively. They don't kill themselves in the field, which is going to be huge. They don't really make too many errors on their own, which is huge. So that great defense is going to help them and be a reason why they are another World Series contender. Like I said, the biggest worry to me is going to be their starting pitching and if they can overcome that. And I'm going to put the Mets on this this, uh, list as well for World Series contenders, for teams coming out of the NL East. I really do like the top of their order. I love Jeff McNeil. Pete Alonso had 53 home runs last year. Malcolm Conforto is a professional hitter. J.D. Davis is a hitter. And Jonas Espinosa, from everything he says, from everything that you hear from Mets players, Jonas Espinosa looks good and feels good. The DH, while I hate it, is the perfect position for him this year, especially. Coming off double hair surgery and basically not playing for two years. So I understand it's a big ask and it's a big leap of faith that you're going to rely on a player who hasn't played in two years to be a big part of the middle of the lineup and be the reason why the Mets are World Series contenders. But for everything you hear from players, from coaches, from managers, he's looking good. He's feeling good. So I'll buy into that. And I think when you have young players like JD Davis, Ahmed Rosario took a really nice step the second half of the year last year. If Brandon Nimmo can stay healthy, he had a really solid September. They can take another step. That, that lineup is deep and it's solid. Their bullpen, they really adjusted to make it a strength. Like I said, on paper, it's supposed to look good. We'll see if that actually can work out. And the rotation, again, it took a hit depth wise. But if Marcus Stroman, if what you read is about you know six six weeks out with a with a torn calf, that's basically about the second half of the year, give or take. So if you can bring him back, similar to what they did last year, making a trade, if you kind of view it that way, you add some depth on the pitch on the uh, starting rotation. I think the Mets are very well rounded. I really do. They have the question marks, but I think they're well-rounded. They're, they have enough answers to me to make them World Series contenders. So out of the NL, I have the Braves, the Nationals, the Mets, and the fourth and final team, the Dodgers. I mean, like the best team in baseball. 106 wins last year, and how do they get better? They add Mookie Betts. They upgrade their bullpen. Think about it. The, the Dodgers' biggest issue this year, if you want to look at their overall team, what's the biggest question mark? Because I think every other team has question marks. The other five teams I, I, um, I laid out there have legitimate question marks. The Dodgers' biggest question mark is how do they get all their talented players on the field? They just had to option one of their most talented young players in their farm system. His name is Gavin Lux. Betting-wise in Vegas, he was the favorite to win Rookie of the Year this year in the National League. They just had to put him to the minor leagues or their version of the minor leagues because they didn't have enough room for him. Think about that. The Dodgers' biggest issue in 2020 is that they don't have enough room for all the talent that they have. It's a pretty good damn problem to have. So... For me, the six wild, uh, the, excuse me—the World Series contenders I have, the Yankees and the Astros out of the, uh, out of the AL, NL Nationals, Braves, Mets, and Dodgers. So like I said, I'll explain quickly some teams that just missed. The Twins, like I said, I love their offense. I think they really did well to, uh, to adjust their pitching. But uh, I just I can't trust them in the playoffs. I really can't. The way the last few years that they have played well in the regular season and then just have folded in the playoffs like a cheap 10. We're paper tigers in the playoffs. To me, I just can't trust them until I actually see the Twins make some noise in the playoffs, play some really good baseball, pitch well in the playoffs. I can't trust them to make any noise. So the Twins, I think, will win the division, and they'll be impressive again in the regular season. They're a team that, to me, just folds in the postseason. I can't trust them until I see them actually win a postseason series and play well. So the Twins, I don't trust. The A's and Rays, to me, I think there are two really good teams that are built for a weird, wacky season this way because they're both flexible, especially with the Rays and what they do with their pitching rotation and their bullpen. They rotate guys in and out. They have the opener for a lot of games. They, they love flexibility with their position players and with their pitchers. But to me, I just don't think the Rays have enough pop in their lineup to compete against teams like the Yankees and the Astros. And for the, for the uh, athletics, their rotation and bullpen scares me. To be honest, it's not great. Their pitching is not great. When you're going to go against the Yankees, assuming they're healthy, or you're going to go against the Astros, that is that's a tough hill to overcome. When you have to go through those lineups, both very deep with a lot of talent, I just don't see, honestly, the A's or the Rays having enough juice, having enough uh, gas in the tank to overcome either the Astros or the Yankees. So Twins, A's, and Rays, to me, will make the playoffs but not, don't have enough to make the World Series. And out of the NL, I mean, I gave you three NL East teams. I don't think anyone else is going to be close in the NL West, so it comes down to NL Central. Like I said, I don't really trust any of the other teams. The Reds, Cardinals, and Cubs, to me, all have fatal flaws. That's going to make it tough for them to compete for the pennant. The Reds, I have questions about both their hitting and pitching coming together at the same time. I think that that's going to be a concern. The Cardinals, their roster is aging in the wrong direction, and they only got worse this offseason, not better. That scares me. And the Cubs, just, their pitching is just flat out. just It's it's ugly. It's a disaster. So that concerns me. So to me, six teams, Yankees, Astros, Nationals, Braves, Mets, Dodgers. Those are the only teams in baseball that could compete for a World Series in this year. So I'm curious your, your thoughts. Was was that too many teams? How many World Series or how many teams can compete for the World Series this year? I'd love to get your thoughts. It's gonna be a weird year or a wacky year. So who knows? Maybe the, the the White Sox as a young team, maybe the Padres as a young team. Catch fire and they're hot, and that's some, you know, a team we don't see coming that really once the season ends, we're like, wow, how do we not see these guys coming? This is the year for that. This is the year for that. So I'm curious. I said six teams. I could compete for the World Series. I'm curious, love to get your thoughts. How many teams could compete for the World Series? Did I leave any teams out? Love to get your thoughts again, either on Facebook, World Art Sports, or network, on uh, Twitter, WWSRN underscore ready. If you want to tweet us there, we'll read your tweets. And when we come back, we'll finish off the uh, first hour, baseball heavy first hour here, with MLB expanded playoffs. Would it actually help this season? Or would it hurt this season? I'll explain why, or excuse me, which I'll explain. Which way I feel and why? When the morning boys Ryan Hickey return right here on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. It,
0: it, it's the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Radio Network. Radio Network. Radio Network. It, it's time oh, to wake oh, up oh, with now. the morning, morning boys Boy. on Worldwide Sports Radio Network. And here's your here's host, your host Hickey. Ryan Hickey. Ryan Hickey.
1: In case you were just tuning in on this gorgeous Thursday morning, that is the sweet sound. Baseball is back. Major League Baseball opening day is today the first major sport in North America to return. No offense to golf. No offense to horse racing that's gone on through most of the pandemic. When it comes to the four major sports, baseball, basketball, hockey, and football, baseball is the first to return. Very improbable as it was you know, even a month ago, it felt like. All the negotiations that would seem to go awry. It is, uh, it is here. Baseball is here. Opening day is here. Yankees Nationals, a great, great pitching matchup. Garrett Cole, Max Scherzer, and then tonight you have a great rivalry. Dodgers and Giants. The first game, not only of Mookie Betts in a Dodgers uniform, the first game for Mookie Betts as a over $300 million man signs a massive extension. He is going nowhere. It'll be in a Dodgers uniform for a very, very, very long time. Smart move by the Dodgers. Do love that signing. That is a guy you pay. Attention, Red Sox. Still, oh, God. That's still ridiculous. Anyway, and back in the old days, that was what I'm trying to think. Probably about December, so almost seven, eight months ago, we started one of the morning boy shows with just the outrage that the Red Sox traded Mookie Best because they couldn't afford him. Team with the third highest uh, valuation, according to Forbes, couldn't afford to pay their star player and let him walk instead, so... Good for the Dodgers. Pay in town. That's the guys you want to pay $300 million to. That's a great investment. So congratulations to him. And congratulations to us as fans, to be honest. Baseball is back. It's a very exciting time. And we're getting your thoughts. How many World Series contenders are there? I say six. What is your World Series matchup? Well, I have Dodgers, Astros, but they, this is the year. This is finally the year for the Dodgers to get over the hump. I understand it's going chalk. I understand I'm picking the favorite. I'm not going anything crazy here. But I'm not going to give anything I don't believe. I'm going to tell you the truth. And I'm going to tell you what I believe. When you look at the roster, pitching, bullpen, hitting, fielding, the Dodgers check every box. They really do. They are balanced. They have a great lineup, great pitching staff. They add it to their bullpen. Can they get over, really, the postseason fog, if you want to call it, a, a curse, the haze, for whatever reason, what kind of happens you know, to the Dodgers whenever they make the postseason. It feels like year after year after year. We're buying into to the Dodgers. This is the Dodgers year. They're finally going to get over the hump. But I think, you know, when you buy a guy essentially like Mookie Betts, you go all in. I think that that is finally the move that would get them over the top. It won't help Clayton Kershaw's yips in the postseason, but I think they have enough offense at least where if he implodes, you, you can get over that. So I think this is the year the Dodgers finally get it done, finally hoist that World Series trophy, and finally for the first time since 1988 kind of, Chase those ghosts, get those bad thoughts out of their head, and do win the World Series. So let's get your thoughts. What's your World Series matchup? Who's winning the World Series? How many teams can truly contend for the World Series? I say six. Love to get your thoughts. We'll hear them and read them on Facebook, Worldwide Sports Network, Twitter, WWSRN underscore Radio. If you're listening on the app, first of all, thank you. The app is great. WWSRN and iOS or Worldwide Sports Network on Android. Comment on Twitch or read those comments as well as baseball. Have your first hour here, but I do want to finish this first hour with MLB possibly expanding their playoffs. Now, this, of course, Major League Baseball has really turned into college football, at least um, of late, with just the wackiness and the zaniness that's happened in 2020. And John Heyman last night, a great MLB insider, a great MLB reporter, tweeted about 6 o'clock last night. He tweeted that Major League Baseball and the Players Association have discussed possibly possibly expanding the playoffs from 10 teams to 16 teams. And that's not in 2021. That's not in 2022. That's not even five years from now. This year. So at the time of the tweet, they had 25 hours to get a deal done to expand the playoffs from 10 teams to 16 teams. And now as you sit here at 947, almost 10 o'clock, so just about nine hours or so before the first pitch down there in D.C., they have nine hours to agree to a playoff expansion or not. And for me, the way I look at it, I hope the answer is no. I hope a playoff expansion does not get done. To me, if MLB expands the playoffs from 10 teams to 16 teams, I think it lessens the intensity of this season. I think it hurts the main foundation for why a lot of fans are going to watch this year. As as I'm sure you've heard many, many, many times on this show, on any show that's talking about baseball, the 60-game season is a sprint. I know. I'm telling you nothing you don't know already. But this is the first true season in Major League Baseball history where every game is truly important. Right? We always say that, "Oh, every game matters. You know, look at the standings. You miss out by one game. All oh, that game in June, that day game in June, that getaway day. You know, if only they actually played instead of kind of nailing it in, maybe they'd be in the playoffs or not. But the truth is with 162 games, for the most part, the better teams always went out in the end, always make the playoffs in the end. It's a marathon, not a sprint. But now when you get into a short season, where every game truly matters, you have a bad 10-game stretch. You get out of the gate slow. You start the season maybe 5-6, and 5-8. and eight. All of a sudden, you're done. You're toast. When only a third of the league is making the playoffs and a few other teams start out hot and you don't, you're in trouble. Think about it. Last year, the Nationals started out 19-31. and 31. The reason they were able to get back to the playoffs is because they had time. They had time, despite an awful start to the season. They had plenty of time to get back into it, right the ship. And like I said, talent wins out in the end. And they finally put it together. If they start, I mean, anywhere close to that, they're done. That's why it's so intriguing because every game truly means something. Only a third of the team makes, or a third of the league, excuse me, makes the playoffs. So it's tough. It's hard. That's the way it should be. So now, if you expand it to where eight teams think about that eight teams in each league, eight National League, eight American League if they're getting the playoffs every game automatically means less because guess what with more playoff spots available you're competing with le- there's more teams for less spots or excuse me there's less teams for more spots excuse me so now instead of fans tuning in for every game because oh man we really need this game you know early July your team is let's say maybe 500 they really need to win this game they they can't afford to fall back too far from the wild card hunt or from the division hunt when the season's over now when you expand the playoffs a lot more teams that are average or even maybe below average are going to make the playoffs. So you don't give a reason for fans to tune into every single game until the playoffs. Because guess what? As long as you're not one of the worst teams in baseball, you're more likely to make the playoffs than not. I just talked to you know my guy Brett wrote on Facebook earlier. Let's go, Phils And I said you know I'm a little worried about the Phillies. If you're a Phillies fan, I think they can I do think they'll finish in fourth place. Like the Braves are better, I think the Mets are better, I think the Nationals are better. But guess what? Fourth place for the Phillies could still get them the playoffs. What fun is that? So now instead of, you know, a bad 7-game stretch, a bad 10-game stretch ending your season, it also doesn't matter. It's almost back to the regular season, a regular, elongated regular season, because guess what? Now every game doesn't mean as much. There's a lot of games that really, you could say, okay, this game means a lot. It really doesn't. So only Major League Baseball. Moments away from their season starting. Moments away from the most intriguing season I think they've ever had because of the short season, every game truly meaning so much. Every game truly being a a playoff game, a pennant race. Which I think in the end will draw the average fan in because the intensity is going to be there from day one. Part of the reason why play baseball is so successful compared to the regular season is because every pitch truly means something. There's anticipation. You can hear it in the crowd. You can feel it. Watching the game, you feel it. A pitch at the third inning truly matters. And that was going to be the case when you only have five teams making the playoffs from each league. So you really have to have not only a strong start, a strong finish. You really can't afford to take a series off or a week off because that could really be the difference of you making the playoffs or missing it. Now instead, with over half the league making the playoffs, you lessen the intensity, lessen the intrigue of the regular season. Let's look at the NBA. I think the NBA is a perfect example of this. NBA as we know, the regular season, it's tough for fans to get into. There's some nice matchups. Christmas Day is always a fun day where you get some sexy matchups, some big-time matchups. But really... When it comes down to in the end, we know the playoff teams that are going to be there before the year starts. We know which teams are going to be good, which teams are going to be bad. And part of the reason why a lot of us as fans aren't glued into the NBA regular season is because you know more than half the league makes the playoffs. You have teams that are under five hundred make the playoffs. This year alone, you have the Nets and you have the Magic. Two teams that most more, more likely than not will either make the playoffs at five hundred or below five hundred. Who wants to see that? And now Major League Baseball, because they had one of the smallest postseasons in all major sports, them in the NFL, the two smallest, right? Now you're doing the same exact thing as the NBA. Now you're watering down your regular season. In a year, the only year that you ever had where every game truly meant something, you watered it down. So I, ha- I hate the expanded playoffs for this year and this year alone. And I'll say this. In a normal 162-game season, in a normal year where there's no pandemic, we have a full year, I actually love the idea of postseason expansion. Because so I think for what it, for how it waters down a short 60-game season, for I think how it takes away some of the intensity of a sprint of a season, I think it actually adds that to a longer season. Because now if you have more teams making the playoffs, as we know, the MLB season is already hard enough to kind of get yourself forward to get into over the full year because it is Marathon. But now, when you have more teams in the playoff race, when you have more teams now on, you know, in the wild card hunt, I think it adds more intrigue, I think it adds more interest, and it gets more fans to watch at the end of the year. So I do like it for a full season, when it is tough again to have that kind of playoff intensity over a marathon of a year from April to September. I think an expanded postseason actually does help bring some more intensity, bring some more importance to the regular season. Because now more teams are in the race, which means that if your team's in the wildcard hot, you're more likely to watch. And that brings fans in. is it a short season, to me, in a sprint, the less playoff teams, the better. Because then it really makes every game that much more important. It really emphasizes getting off to a strong start and staying hot. I think now, when you water it down so much, honestly, a slow start, a bad week, a bad week and a half, a bad series or two doesn't really do anything for you. It doesn't end your hopes. I mean, to be honest, let's look at everything I just talked about here with the World Series contenders, right? I had six. I had three from the NLEs, the, the Nationals, the Braves, and the Mets. To be honest, I was very excited to see Mets baseball this year, in part because the division was so competitive, in part because, you know what, if you don't win the division, you have to be one of the two best teams of the rest to make it in. Now if five wild card teams are gonna make the playoffs, I mean barring a barring catastrophe. The Mets are in, the Braves are in, the Nationals are in. Maybe you could pencil in the Cubs or the, the diamondbacks, like there there's a lot of guarantees here where it's like, okay, now it's it's not as interesting, it's not as competitive, it's not as exciting. I look at I look at football as a perfect example of this. We look at the NFL, we look at college football. football is king in this country why is it? I think part of the reason why is because the product they put out there is so minimal 16 games, that's it for college 12 as we know in this society we want more and we want more for the most part you can get more Netflix tons of different shows you you have out there they release a season boom, we binge it right away, right? you watch 12 episodes and it feels like 12 hours and we're on to the next thing the demand is, the, or excuse me, enough, uh, brand, enough product is there for us to watch and consume. The NBA, there's not enough, there's more product than demand with 82 games. And as we see, a lot of fans don't tune in until the end of the year, until the playoffs. Baseball especially, the regular season is so long, there's so much inventory, the demand is not there. But for football, the inventory will always be lesser than demand. The demand is always going to be high. Fans want more, 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 more. And outside of adding a 17th game, maybe an 18th game that's eventually going to come for the National Football League, you're still going to have a slim slim amount of games where every game truly means something. That's why we, we get so crazy when football comes. That's why every game is analyzed so in detail. We get so torn up with every win and every loss because there's only so many. When you're only playing 16 games or in college 12 one loss, one bad loss can really change the way your season goes. Whereas baseball, whether it's hockey, whether it's basketball you're playing 82 or 162. There's enough time to make up for a bad loss or a bad streak. So that's part of the reason why football is king in this country. Because it's the one sport we can't get enough of. And smartly The less we have of something, the more we want it. And I thought baseball was the perfect, in the perfect spot this year. Only 60 games. Fans are thirsting. Fans are hungry for sports. Baseball comes back first. 60 games means, guess what? Every game means something. Every game is truly important. That's why we love football, because there's really not many games that we can roll our eyes at. It doesn't really mean much. There's only 16, or there's only 12. Now there's only 60. So you can't just throw off a bad week. Say, ah, okay, it's okay. It will still be okay. A bad week could be the difference between the playoffs and, not, and no playoffs. And now, to me, at least, I think baseball watered it down because they want to add 16 teams. So to me, I hate the idea of expanding the playoffs for this year. I think 16 teams is way too many. I think it undercuts the intensity and the excitement of a short 60-game season. I think, it, I think it takes away some of the intrigue. I think it takes away some of the intensity. I really do. So let your thoughts. Do you like playoff baseball or do you like Major League Baseball expanding the playoffs to 16 teams? I think in a normal 162-game season, I love it. But for this year and this year alone, with a short season with so much on the line every game, I think it really does take away from some of the intensity and some of the viewing experience because now every game truly is not as important as it was. I think it's going to hurt. I think it's really going to hurt. So I'm not a fan of expanding the playoffs. Let's get your thoughts. Facebook, World Sports Network, Twitter, WWSRN underscore radio. Do you like Major League Baseball expanding the playoffs? Is 16 teams too much? Or do you want to see it? You're a fan of it. You think more playoff teams will actually make the product more enjoyable. So discuss it. We'll get your thoughts. And when we come back, I really need your help. I really do. I've been trying to stay sane. I think I have, for the most part, stayed sane through this pandemic. But there's one thing I'm hearing when it comes to the NBA MVP that I'm going insane about. I can't believe I'll get your thoughts, and please, 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 I need your help. Help me stay sane. We'll do that when the Morning Boys riot give return right here on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network.
0: You're, you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. It, it's time to wake up with the Morning Boys on Worldwide Sports Radio Network. And here's, and your, here's host, your host, Ryan Hickey. Ryan Hickey. Ryan Hickey. Ryan
1: Hickey. And welcome back into the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. It is the Morning Boys with Ryan Hickey on this Thursday morning, on this opening day morning. We appreciate you tuning in wherever you are. We hope you're staying safe and staying out sa- and staying sane out there. Easy for me to say as we are rolling along. And speaking of staying sane, Right, we've done a lot of baseball in the first hour, and I'd still love to get your thoughts. How many World Series contenders do we have out there? i say six. What is your MLB predictions? I have the World Series as Dodgers, Astros with the Dodgers. Finally winning the World Series. Finally get over in the hump and, uh, and winning. And MLB expanded playoffs. They're talking about it. They still have to get a deal done, again, just about nine hours or so from first pitch. So there's still a lot of work to get done if they want to expand the playoffs from 10 teams to 16 teams this season. I think it waters down. I think you hurt the integrity of a 60-game season. I think you take away some of the intensity. I really do. So in the one year where every game in baseball truly matters, I think you can really get fans drawn in because of the intensity that you're going to see right out of the gate. This is the only time it's ever going to happen where games truly out of the gate mean something and are important. I think you water that down by expanding the playoffs, and now you undercut the intensity. And I think part of the reason why you draw fans in, because of that intensity, I think you take it away. So I don't like the expansion. I think in a regular season, I like it. In a short year, with only 60 games, I think less playoff teams, the better. Um, But as we know, uh, this country wants more. We all want more. Baseball is going to try to give you more, and that's going to be 16 teams. So we'll see what actually happens. Again, nine hours if they want to get that done to uh, get that deal done. But I want to go switch gears to the NBA here because there's been a lot of talk these last few days. And to be honest, I I can't believe what I've been hearing. A lot of respected voices of the NBA, a lot of great reporters, a lot of great analysts have been saying something that honestly blows my mind and infuriates me because I, I just can't believe it. I've, like I said, I've tried to stay sane this entire time. But this is the first time I feel like I'm going insane. And it's over sports, which is good, obviously. I'm not going to complain about that. But I truly feel like I'm about to lose my mind. And that is over the MV- NBA MVP award. Because as we know, obviously, the season's going to resume next week eight resumption games that are technically part of the regular season, although they won't count in the standings, or I'm sorry, they will count in the standings. I apologize. But they won't count towards postseason awards. So in theory, the MVP voting, they're, they're doing the voting now as you speak. So these eight games won't count towards the MVP, the Coach of the Year, um, the Sixth Man of the Year, all those, you know, in, uh, those awards that they may give out at the end of the year, well, these these resumption games won't count toward. it. So in, in theory, for look at the MVP award, it's a two-man race between Giannis and LeBron James. Their cases are both done. They can't improve their case anymore. So the work they've done from October to March, that's it. So in theory, the MVP race is over. So the question is, who should win the MVP award? To me, there's only one answer. It's not even close. It's Giannis. What Giannis has done this year has been incredible. I think, to me, it's it's hands down. Now, he benefited... Of course, from the shutdown, because LeBron James really had some momentum going. But this is where you guys come in. This is where I really need your help, because well, to me, I think it's Giannis, and it's not even close. It's Giannis ten times out of ten. I've heard NBA reporters, I've heard NBA analysts now the last week say they are voting for LeBron James. They think it's LeBron James's award this year. And I've a everywhere I look. Uh, Unless I am totally missing something, or is it just there's a made up stat that came out of nowhere since this pandemic started, that now is the you know the Trump card, right? This is the one stat, no matter what, whoever leads this is the MVP, and somehow LeBron's winning it. Other than that, I have no clue how LeBron James could be the MVP over Giannis this year. I really don't. Let's look at let's look at the numbers, right? Because I think you know, let's go to the stats. The stats don't lie. Numbers don't lie. Points per game. Who, who is a higher points per game, Giannis or LeBron James? Well, the answer is Lebr- uh, excuse me, the answer is Giannis. Giannis almost averaging 30 points a game, 29.6. Four points more than LeBron James. So Giannis leads LeBron in points per game. How about rebounds per game? Well, I mean, he's a Greek freak for a reason. He leads LeBron in rebounds per game. So more points per game, more rebounds per game. Now, this is the only stat I'm going to read off here where LeBron actually is leading Giannis assists per game. LeBron's averaging over 10 assists per game. Highest of his career. Great year distributing the ball. So Giannis has points and rebounds. LeBron has assists. How about field goal percentage? Well, Giannis again. Shooting almost 55% from the field. How about, let's, let's go team success, right? Because similar to the NFL with quarterbacks, we look at the team record, right? The, the quarterback position is the only position in the NFL where we equate wins and losses and we, we put it on their record. Chiefs go 12 and 4. Patrick Holmes had a great year, despite maybe himself not doing too great. Teams' wins and losses are put on the shoulders of the quarterback. Teams' wins and losses are put on the star player for each team. So look at the record, right? Okay, the Lakers having a great year. The Bucks having a great year. The Bucs are 53 and 12. They're having an outstanding year in the East. The Lakers are 49 and 14. So okay, another check mark towards Giannis. Bucks have more wins. How about? How about, uh, let's go a little analytics. How about that? Because then obviously, you know, points, rebounds, assists, field goal percentage. Those are great stats. But for the most part, also, we can look at, you know, some deep dive of stats, some deep analytical stats to really show, okay, how about their efficiency when they're on the court? Because you can get some hollow stats. You can average 30 points per game. But if you are the only player scoring, if your team is down by 30 every game, you know, it doesn't mean too much. So I I have two analytical stats I want to share with you. PER, which is the measure of basically permanent production. So every minute you're on the court, basically analyzes what is your productivity when you're out there. The NBA average is 31. Excuse me, excuse me. The NBA average is 15. Giannis is at a 31. So he beats LeBron there. LeBron's at 26. Giannis is at 31. So PER favors Giannis. Win share. How about this? Win share is very easy. Estimate of number of wins contributed by a player. So basically, all right, how many, how much, how much, how much wins is this person good for? Guess what? Giannis leads that category as well. So win share, per team record, field goal percentage, rebounds per game, points per game, all favor Giannis. So again, what stat is out there that I'm missing? What category is LeBron leading that I'm not seeing? that makes him the shoe-in favorite to win the MVP. But yet, time after time, show after show, listen to Colin Coward yesterday or, or Tuesday. He had Doug Gallip, who doesn't have a vote, but he's a you know a big voice in the NBA world, would vote LeBron. He had Rick Buecher, a great NBA reporter, who does have an MVP vote, say he's voting for LeBron. What am I, what am I missing here, that the LeBron deserves a vote? And let, let's not forget, too, LeBron has more star power around him. He has the better team. Anthony Davis is a top five player in the league. Anthony Davis is a stud that LeBron James has to team up with. And here's, I think, I'm going to use the all star voting here as a great example of Anthony Davis' contribution versus Chris Middleton's contribution, the second, you know, in the one two punch for the Bucs. In the all star voting, LeBron and AD were first and second for the Western Conference front court by voted by fans, voted by players, and voted by media. One, two, and all three of those categories. So the fans think LeBron and AD are the two best players in the front court? The players think so, and the media think so. Well, how about the East? It's it the East with Giannis and Chris Middleton. Giannis is number one. Shocker. But Chris Middleton was 11th voted by fans, 11th voted by players, and didn't even get one vote as a starter from the media. I should say it all. So LeBron has the better player on his team, which, in theory, should knock you. Because when you have all that talent around you, it's easier for you to play better. And so I look around. I try to make the case of LeBron James. I look around what, is, what things LeBron have going for him. Because like I just said, I ran in all the stats. All the stats favor the Greek freak. So what does LeBron actually have going for him? He has two things going for him. That I think the reason why he's getting so much um, so much attention, so much now momentum to win the MVP award, none of which, by the way, these two things about the list, shouldn't factor in at all for the MVP voting. Number one thing is going for him, he a recency bias working in his favor. The last 10 games before the shutdown, LeBron was averaging 30 points per game. He was shooting 55%, including 30, 37% from three. So he was killing it shooting. 9.4 assists per game, 8.2 rebounds per game. But also more importantly, not only was he scoring great, playing great, the Lakers are really clicking. They beat the Celtics, the Clippers, and the Bucks in that 10-game stretch. They eight 8-2. So things were really rolling for the Lakers. Things were really rolling, especially for LeBron James. And they beat Giannis head-to-head. They beat the Clippers on that big Sunday afternoon game in Staples Center. And they beat another great team in the, in the Celtics. So the recency bias, the thing we remember last, was that Giannis was hurt, a little bit banged up, slow to come back. And LeBron was killing it. Absolutely killing it. And to be fair to LeBron, the season wasn't shut down, the season kept going as normal, there was no pandemic, there was no coronavirus, I think LeBron had a legitimate chance to chase down Giannis. If he kept up that pace, so the momentum was going in the Lakers' favor, Giannis coming off an injury, a little slow, I think LeBron could have really garnered some serious momentum and could have won the MVP trophy. Because for the first half, it wasn't even close, it was Giannis. He was the best player in basketball. But obviously that, did, that wasn't the case. The season wasn't allowed to resume. It stopped. So the time it stopped, LeBron, while he had momentum, while he was playing really well, didn't do enough to overtake Giannis. And the second thing LeBron is going for him as the MVP is that I've heard some voters use this vote and use this year's MVP award specifically as a lifetime achievement award. There's been a few NBA reporters I've heard publicly say they're leaning towards voting for LeBron, this is the last chance they think he'll ever be in the conversation. At thirty-five years old, this is the last chance he'll have to really be the elite of the elite, the top of his game, and one of the best players in all of basketball. So, I mean, to be fair to him, at thirty-five years old, having the best thirty-five-year-old season we've ever seen, right? I mean, it's not that hard, not that much of a limb to go out on. But, but just because he, you know he's playing great at an older age, just because this is, might be the last year that he you know he's at his best as one of the best players in the league, doesn't mean we're going to give him the award just because. Oh, just because Giannis, you know, he's young. He'll be here again. We'll give him probably another MVP award. That's not how this works. You give the MVP award to the most valuable player of that year. That's it. It's not, okay, well, he's done this the last two years. Well, let's look at LeBron, you know, his 17-year career. He's done great. You know what? He deserves it. Let's just give it to him. One last, you know, send-off. That's not how it works. I'm sorry. LeBron's had a great year. He's had a great career. That doesn't mean that all of a sudden in the 2019-2020 season, he deserves the MVP. Giannis deserves it. Joins a rare class of winning back-to-back MVPs. And to me, again, all the stats back it up. All the stats back it up that Giannis should win the MVP. Recency bias, lifetime achievement award, aren't two reasons why you should give someone the MVP. I'm sorry. So LeBron, you've had a great year. If you win a title, I'm sure it's more important than winning an MVP trophy. You're right there. But because you, you're lacking in the stats, because you had a great 10 games, doesn't mean that all of a sudden now I give you the MVP because you had a great 10-game stretch. I'm sorry. So for me, that's why you guys come in as the audience. Am I, am I crazy? Am I the crazy one? Like I said, a lot of People publicly are voting for Giannis this year. Excuse me, for LeBron this year. I apologize. A lot of people are voting Giannis, and I don't get it because I've just laid out the stats. Points, rebounds, team record, win share, field goal percentage. I can go on and on. Giannis leads every stat. Giannis doesn't have an Anthony Davis by his side. Like Chris Milton, he's a good player. He's a really good player this year. Anthony Davis is a top five player in the league. That makes your job a hell of a lot easier when you're LeBron James, when you have that guy to pass the ball to. When you have defenses worried about that guy as well. It opens up a lot of pass lanes. It opens up a lot of scoring lanes now. When your defense, defense has to basically pick their poison, are we going to stop AD or are we going to stop LeBron? So for me, it's Giannis, and it's not even close. So I'm curious your thoughts. Who should win the NBA MVP award? I let out my reasons why I think it's Giannis It's not even close. A lot of NBA reporters, a lot of NBA media publicly are saying they're going to give it to LeBron James. I don't get it. Maybe you can help me stay sane. Maybe I'm trying not to, you know, I think I'm staying sane. I think I'm not being crazy here. Maybe I am the crazy one. I need you to help me out. Am I going crazy? Is Giannis the MVP or is it LeBron? We'll get your thoughts. Facebook, World Art Sports Network, Twitter, WWSRN underscore radio. Who should win the NBA MVP? We'll get your thoughts. Read them on the air. When we come back, a great, great, great matchup of two great personalities, of two great minds when it comes to 2020 or apocalypse. Sarah Choncali, the three seed. Nick McCool, the six seed. One of them is punching their ticket to the Final Four. We'll see who joins Lauren in the Final Four next. It is the Morning Boys' Ryan Hickey, right here. On the WorldWide Sports Radio Network.
0: You're, you're, you're listening to the World Wide Sports Radio Network. It, it, it's time to wake up with the morning boys. On Worldwide Sports Radio Network. And here's your host, here's your host Ryan Hickey. Ryan Hickey.
1: We are back here on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network on this opening day on this Thursday. We appreciate you tuning in and congratulate everyone. We have all made it. There's some live sports happening today. Could not, could not feel any better to say that for sure. We have a great, uh, a lot of baseball talk in the first hour. But now, you know, the thing that really matters, I should say, as you look at this Elite Eight matchup, is 2020 Apocalypse. Oh, geez, wait a second. I just realized I'd turn off the music. There we go. Sorry about that. Too focused on baseball to even remember what we're doing here, but it is 10:20, which means it is 2020 or apocalypse. Lauren Clark, the four seed, or excuse me, the five seed, punched her ticket to the final four. The first person to go to the final four, we will get a second contestant in the final four, as you have number three Sarah against number six Nick. Sarah, the three seed, a girl, the first person who got four questions right, and the and the only person whose answers are fast, or excuse me. The only thing faster than the answer she gives are the miles power she goes in her car. It is a three-seat Sarah. What's going on this morning, Sarah? How are you?
2: Hello. <laughs> Great intro.
1: I, I messed it up a little how bit. How
2: long were you planning that one? A while.
1: I, 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 um, especially with Sarah, I, I talked over the intro with my parents yesterday and my sister, and then I can't, lie, I can't believe I butchered it. Uh, I'm a little upset. But that intro was in the works for, I can't lie, good, let's see, about 15 hours or so.
2: Even thinking about it, I'm kind of touched that you had it all
1: ready. So I tried, I apologize for butchering it, but the girl whose answer is only faster, I messed it up again, I'm not going to try. Well, anyway, Sarah's (laughs) the three seed, taking on the six seed Nick, where this guy, the sweetest softball swing east of the Mississippi, a guy who's never seen a Bud Light he doesn't like, it is the great Nick McCool. Nick, welcome. How are you, stud? What's going on,
2: brother? You know, segments like you had with the last one, LeBron misses me being side-by-side side with you. You know?
1: I know, the great Hick and Nick days. We we got to bring that back, man. I said, the phone, the, I, f- the phones are open anytime you want to call really, in.
2: Really, yeah. That last segment really wishes, that I, wishes I was next to you for that one to kind of keep you in line
1: a little bit. Keep me in line. That's what, well, for what was the show? Three years almost? Two and a half years? We did it uh, Yeah, two and a half. Com Radio at Penn State. It was... a. Uh, I feel like if anything, I'd keep you in line. You're the one that was getting crazy, but we had uh, we had a lot generally, of fun. Yes.
2: No, generally yes, and then your last segment was <laughs> yeah.
1: the roles have reversed. So we've if we have a hick and Nick reunion, hopefully sooner rather than later, we'll see if those uh, if those roles do stay the same. But uh, we appreciate you both of you coming on. Like I said, we've already had one upset, so Nick is the three seed, Lauren as the five seed already won last week, so we had one upset. So crazier things have happened here. Are you two ready to roll? Yeah. Bring your rock, yeah. All right. So, obviously, since Sarah is the three-seat, she'll answer first for the first, third, and fifth questions. Nick will go first for the second and fourth, and then, obviously, you two will give your answers. So, Sarah, this will start with you. Number one, are you ready to go? I guess. A Montana man spoke to the local newspaper two weeks ago and claimed to have just learned about the coronavirus. Is that real, 2020, or fake the apocalypse? person just learned two weeks ago that the coronavirus is a real thing, and now we are in a pandemic.
2: So, Montana is a large empty state, but I'm gonna, uh, I'm gonna
1: say apocalypse. All right, so despite, you know, a lot of land there, a lot of possibly being off the grid, you think that is fake? No way someone could be that out of touch with reality for, I mean, what have we, since March, so was that four or five months? Okay, so, sarah saying apocalypse nick what are your thoughts here kick that
2: that would be 2020 i'm gonna say um i'm i'm not specifically sure about the montana thing but i thought like my mom or someone had told me that somebody was like doing some kind of religious or something thing where they were like they locked themselves away in like a house or something for three months or something and then like came out and like didn't understand the whole face mask thing i'm gonna go 2020
1: that would be the apocalypse. That is not the case. Yeah. Oh, wow. There, there is no person that has uh, spoken out recently, at least that I've seen, that has claimed to just learn about the coronavirus within the last few weeks. Um, I feel like that was a question earlier, but, like, back in, like, April or May. But Oh,
2: maybe. maybe. I, I oh, you're repeating questions?
1: No, I no, no. This is all, this is all, this, listen, this is the playoffs. There's no repeating here. I, I, if anything, first of all, because I know <laughs> Regular Nick, season
2: he was yes,
1: repeating. Nick a called me out. I've only repeated, I think, one or two Apocalypse questions. Every 2020 question has been original and new. This is, and this is the playoffs especially. There's no way I'm going to take a risk of one of you two listening on an off chance and remembering the question. You've got to earn it in the playoffs. There's no repeats there, I promise you. This is a brand new one. I thought of it yesterday. It is the Apocalypse. And with that, Sarah is up one to nothing. Congratulations, Sarah. Nick, are you ready for number two? You'll go first here. Let's go. The latest symptom. To develop from coronavirus is hair loss. Is that one of the latest symptoms now victims of coronavirus are showing? Is that 2020 or apocalypse? Oof.
2: Um, well, if that's the case, I'm 26 now. That means that I had coronavirus when I was 14. Um,
1: you were the first case of coronavirus. Yeah, I might have had the first
2: case back in, like, 2009 or something. Jeez. Um, <laughs> Uh, I am going to say that that's, um, I'm going to say apocalypse.
1: All right. Nick is going,
2: we'll
1: see. All right. He's on the fence, but he's going to go apocalypse, Sarah. Yeah. Um, if that's also the case, I
2: would think all of our uncles have had the coronavirus as well.
1: <laughs> that is true. We do know a lot of people that that could also benefit and, and like use the excuse. You know, are you, are you crazy? <laughs> A little widow's peak, with this hair on top is going nowhere. <laughs> Holy cow! The corners,
2: Nick. The corners.
1: That's listen. I'll say this: I will take the corners. The corners can absolutely go. I have no problem with that. As long as there's no bald spot in the back, or I'm losing, like I'm res- the hairlines retreating in the front, I'll take a widow's peak all day. But <laughs> I, I promise you, the back of the hair is, is solid. It's in peace, and the front, I hope, is not. You know, that that's there to play. The sides can go, no problem. I don't
2: know. Maybe you should
1: get Rogaine to sponsor you. Wow. The 2020 (laughs) apocalypse sponsored by Rogaine. Final four is here. Men, before we go, men, please check your hair. Get some Rogaine. It works. Don't have the coronavirus allegedly help you develop uh, hair loss. Okay, I'm going to say
2: 2020.
1: All right, so you two reverse. So we have split answers, which means that Nick is the one this time getting it right. Hair loss is not a symptom of coronavirus. So no excuse, unfortunately. It would be a a great built-in excuse for chicks. Don't worry, ladies. I just had the first victim of coronavirus here. Don't mind my hair. But unfortunately, that is not true. (laughs) Nick gets that one right, and we are tied one to one through two questions. Sarah, number three. A deadly virus has been discovered in the Northeast in which the virus, called the triple E virus, is transmitted through mosquitoes and has killed 40% of its victims. Is the latest virus now, the triple E virus, That's transmitted through mosquitoes and kills 40% of his victims. 2020. Sarah's going real. This is a real virus that we have to be watch, you know, watch out for. Forget the murder hornets, forget all the other stuff that nature's trying to kill us with. The mosquitoes are the latest ones trying to kill us. Nick, is that 2020 or apocalypse?
2: I'm with her, actually. I think that's 2020. I know I heard something about mosquitoes recently. I don't know if that's what it's called or anything, but, yeah, I'm going to go 2020.
1: Look at this guy. Staying up on current events. He reads the news. Both of you would be correct. (laughs) This is a real headline. This is a real story. And, again, in case 2020 is going to get more hectic enough or or crazy or dangerous enough, this is real. Triple E virus. Watch out. 40% of its victims. First found in uh, Massachusetts, by the way. So, hopefully, it doesn't trickle down here to uh, either New Jersey or New York, but... We are uh, we are in trouble. That's, all, that's what I'll say. But both of you so far, crushing it. Two right a piece, two questions to go. Maybe we'll have overtime. We'll see. Nick, you'll go first with number four. A New York City sex club has reopened amidst the pandemic with new rules, including temperature checks at the door, wearing masks and gloves the entire time, and a strict policy of only having sex with the person you came with. Is this a real... Is these real rules? Is this a real... <laughs> sex club policy or is this no way you're going to have sex with masks and gloves on this is the this is the apocalypse
2: <laughs> um wait is this sex is happening in the clinic or what
1: yeah so it's a sex club so you go there and have <laughs> sex and so the rules are you got to have temperature checks at the door wearing masks and gloves at all times and there's a strict policy you can only have sex with the person you come with so no, you know, no, no group sex, no sort of like, oh, I'll just go there, see who's there, sort of thing. You bring someone, that's the only person you can stay with.
2: You know what? Let's party.
1: I'm gonna say. 2020.
2: <laughs> I, I also would say 2020.
1: All right, both I think of you. It's
2: crazy enough.
1: You think it's crazy enough? This year's been, you know, th- this is just blend into the the craziness that's happened. You two be correct. This is a real headline. This is a real. Real story, New York City Success Club. So, if you guys are interested, if anyone out there in the tri-state area was fiending, you know, maybe you need some help. The New York City Success Club oh in Soho is open. Safety first, though. Safety first. They're taking the coronavirus seriously. You two are crushing it. Three for three. We possibly here with one question to go. Could have a walk-off winner. Sarah will go yeah, first. How,
2: how, do rule, uh, how do overtime rules work?
1: Okay. You can go over that. Sure, of course. So overtime, how it works is we have three questions. Three new questions, mind you. I know you guys think I repeat questions. Three new questions. <laughs> how it's going to work is only one person is going to answer. So because Sarah is the higher seed, she'll answer the first and third questions. If she gets it right, it's a point for her. If she gets it wrong, it's a point for Nick. Oh. And then, Nick, you answer the second question. So only one person's answering questions in overtime. You get it right, you get the point. You get it wrong, someone else gets the point. Okay. So best out of three. So there, that's the overtime rule. So in case you guys know, we are tied three questions apiece. Sarah will go first with the fifth and final question. Sarah, a lot of pressure here. Are you ready to go? Yeah. All right. Activists have voiced their desire to change the national anthem from the Star-Spangled Banner because its author, Francis Scott Key, was a slave owner, and instead, requested to change the national anthem to John's Le- John Lennon's Imagine. Is a real headline? Are activists truly trying to change the national anthem from the Star Spangled Banner to Imagine by John Lennon? Or is this fake, no way this is real? Um, okay, I'm gonna say
2: 2020.
1: Sarah's gonna say it's real. Nick, what's the strategy gonna be? Are you gonna go opposite to get a winner? Are you gonna go the same to guarantee overtime? This is a big, big process here for you. A big thought.
2: I wanted to go opposite because I, you know, I, I think my chances are better at winning in regulation than overtime. But I know for a fact that's true. Um, John Lennon's imagines a great all-time great song. I know I've heard that, so I know that's true.
1: This guy, the music man himself, you both would be correct. That is a real oh, headline. That's a real story. Activists are trying to change the national anthem. Not sure if there's much momentum, um, but that is a true story, a true headline. And we have our first tie. Four questions each. So you guys crushed it. Four to five for both of you. And now we'll go to overtime, which unfortunately means I have to make some more questions after this, which thanks a lot. <laughs> I have to do more work. <laughs> But we will go to overtime, so like I said, to rehash the rules, three questions. Best score to three wins. Sarah, you will answer the first and third questions. Only you will answer. You get it right, you get the point. You get it wrong, Nick gets the point. Nick will answer the second question with either a chance to win or to tie. We'll see how it goes. Sarah, any questions from you two, by the way? Is that enough description?
2: I'm good. Yeah.
1: All right, just make sure we're on the same page. You don't want any controversies.
2: <laughs> I think I'm good.
1: All right, Sarah, this one's for you. Tex, a Texas realtor group says it will no longer use the word "master" to describe bedrooms and bathrooms in its listings. 2020 or apocalypse. Wait. I can read again I feel if you like want.
2: 2020. Oh, okay. I I feel like we talked about it on the beach, but I could be wrong.
1: We talked a lot of things about the beach. Uh, most of it, a lot of yeah. it was arguing, mind you. But
2: it <laughs> was a lot of arguing. <laughs> My mom did tell me not to piss
1: you off. That you know you didn't do a good job of that, that's for sure. But so you're going to go. You're going to go 2020. That story Uh, is true. It is a real story. Texas realtors have dropped the word master, um, and no longer will say master for bedrooms or bathrooms. And it's listings. They will use a different word. Um, But that is correct. Sarah, you have one nothing. Now, Nick, you will go chance to to uh, stay alive. And go to a sudden death final question. Are you ready to go, sir?
2: Yeah, did we talk about this question on the beach or no? Maybe. We'll see. <laughs>
1: we'll see. This one, I feel like, it, you know, could go either way.
2: I haven't been to the beach with you yet this year, so.
1: I know. That is true. But I promise <laughs> you, I, I doubt that. There's no way we talked about this. I promise you that. There's no way I'll give inside information, especially if anyone is Sarah. She, she really screwed me this no, past weekend. No, definitely not. Threw me under the bus Where's and now is talking about my hair. Oh, like, her, I'm her, losing her, hair, she, so.
2: No family ties. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm ready to rock. Let's
1: All go. right. To go to, to elongate over time, to go to a sudden death number three. Here you go, Nick. A Catholic priest was suspended after he compared the Black Lives Matter movement and its organizers to, quote, maggots and parasites in a church bulletin.
2: Oh, boy. Uh, oh, boy. Um, I will go...
1: You're saying that's a real story?
2: I'm saying it's real.
1: You, sir, would be correct. He has done it. He has staved off elimination wow. for one last question that wow. unfortunately is a real story. A Catholic priest did describe organizers of the Black Lives Matter movement as maggots and parasites in a church bulletin. Not really sure how you become a priest when you have those sort of beliefs and you want to voice them publicly, but you know. Hey, I guess it's 2020. Crazy things have happened. But now this sets up all the drama. This is I mean, this you're talking about a knockdown, slug out type of fight here. Third question winner takes all. Sarah gets it right, she advances. Sarah gets it wrong, Nick advances. So no pressure, Sarah, but hey, that speeding ticket won't pay for itself, so you need to get this one right. <laughs> Are you ready for um, this? Is it the make or break question? I guess so. <laughs> the mayor of Seattle has started a campaign for the state of Washington to to cede from the US and become part of Canada after, in his view, very poor leadership displayed since the coronavirus landed in America. It is the state of Washington trying to secede from the United States and join Canada?
2: I'm going to go Ooh, apocalypse.
1: Final answer you're going to lock in is apocalypse.
2: I don't know. Now
1: you're making me the- I'm just asking. I I'm, just, I'm just making sure you are locking in. Is Apocalypse the final answer? Yeah. She's going to go Apocalypse. I would have said that
2: That's is what correct. I would have said. It is so, Apocalypse.
1: Yeah. It is mm-hmm. a, a made up story. No one is trying to secede from the United States, at least not the mayor of Seattle. But uh, Sarah, congratulations. You have made it to the final four. Took overtime. Took eight questions. The most questions we, we ever had in 2020 or Apocalypse. Overtime did it. You have survived and you are moving on to the final four. Congratulations.
2: My mom is literally yelling, Go, Sarah. <laughs> <laughs>
1: well, tell your mother, Auntie your daughter has lived to see another day. You staved off really any, uh, any flack from the family. I know this family loves you know, criticizing anytime anyone gets a question wrong. You have staved <laughs> off that. You have moved on to at least the final four. How's it feel? Thank you,
0: thank you.
1: She feels great. It. Obviously, she sorry, feels great.
2: Nick. <laughs>
1: Nick. No, it's all good. It's I, all good. It I apologize. Good we have nothing for you. We appreciate you playing. And listen, you, you got as far as you possibly could have gone without advancing. So that, that's something for you. You put up a real fight.
2: True. It was. True. It was a good fight.
1: Well, Sarah, Nick, I appreciate you playing. Thanks so much for giving us a few minutes. Sarah, again, congratulations. Nick, sorry. Good luck and lose tonight. Big softball game. Go crush it. And hopefully, that could be a nice... Uh, Nice little you know prize for you there, and we appreciate you both playing. Thanks so much for uh, for calling in, guys. Thank,
2: Thank you, Vicky.
1: That is uh, the great Nick and Sarah, two great personalities, uh, to going against each other. We congratulate Sarah. Moves on and punches her ticket to join Lauren Clark in the final four of 2020 or Apocalypse. Two more places or two more people to crown, I should say. We have Mike and Rob battling on Monday, or I'm screwing Mike and Joe. The 10th seed versus the one seed on Monday. And then we have Cody and Rob to finish it off next Thursday as we get closer and closer to crowning a 2020 or Apocalypse champion. A lot of fun there. A great, great round. Congratulations to Sarah and condolences to Nick on a well, well put effort there. When we come back, we'll finish up the show. NFL preseason is canceled. Why there's more harm than good that comes out of that. It is the Morning Boys Ryan Hickey right here on the World Art Sports Radio Network.
0: You're, you're, you're listening to the World Wide Sports Radio Network. It, it's time to wake up with the Morning Boys on World Wide Sports Radio Network. And here's your host, here's your host, host Ryan Hickey. Ryan Hickey.
1: And we welcome you back into the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Coming off, I'm trying to calm down. I am sweating, literally. A great 2020 apocalypse comes down to overtime. And the last question in overtime is Sarah Troncali edges out Nick McCool, the Battle of New Jersey. Sarah advances to the Final Four. And as my dad writes, Sarah, calm down. Don't be so excited. I don't know if Sarah was, you know, she said she was at home. I don't know if she was in a funeral home, you know, somewhere where you got to be. You know, maybe she was at work. I don't know where she was. She... Say this: There was not much excitement there for the final four. Maybe it's just you know the game is not that important. I don't know. We'll see. But hey, she uh, she advances. She uh, she moves on to the final four. We will put the final two contestants in the final four next Monday and next Thursday, and we will get down to business and crown a 2020 or Cups champion in the next few weeks. A lot of fun there. Congratulations again to Sarah. And also, as my dad writes on Facebook, we need Hick and Nick back on the air. Couldn't agree more. Hopefully, you can figure out a time. I know Nick's very busy now. With uh, with the tax season getting pushed back, but hopefully we can find a time. Especially with baseball going on, big baseball fan, big fan, of everything. As you see, he was not uh, he was not on board totally with my Giannis versus LeBron thoughts. He thought I was being a little too uh, too hard, I guess that were too um, over dramatic, too dramatic. That LeBron was was actually closer than he was with Giannis. But everything you hear nationally from reporters, from NBA analysts, from NBA media, a lot of momentum on LeBron's side. He had a good 10-game run, don't get me wrong. Beat Giannis and the Bucs, beat the Clippers. When it comes to individual stats, when it comes to actual MVP stats that matter, Giannis has LeBron beat in every category. So I'm not sure a lot of media looking at that are saying they're voting LeBron, but I'm just going out the crazy one. Nick does agree that Giannis is the MVP. Helps calm down a little bit because I was starting to go insane for a few days. I really was. But, again, that was, uh, that was at 10 o'clock. Any thoughts on that? Worldwide Sports network on Facebook, WWSRN underscore Radio on Twitter. Get your last thoughts in. I do want to end the show here with an NFL thought because over uh, the last few days, the NFL and the NFLPA member on Thursday or Monday show was talking about how the NFL really has to get a lot of things figured out before season can get started. We didn't um, by the time Monday show finished, we didn't know the number of preseason games are going to get played, what the testing protocol was going to be, what other precautions were going to be for players having to keep them safe, what training camp is going to look like with a ramp-up period. And this is when rookies for the Chiefs and Texans reported on Monday. We didn't know those answers. Now on Thursday, we have more clarity. Testing is going to be every day until the you know, the five, uh, until the positive rate in the NFL is below 5% Then they will go every other day. And also we know that the NFL will have zero preseason games this year. Zero. And while a lot of the players were happy that preseason was canceled, a lot of fans that pay for season tickets that include preseason games that they have to buy, I'm sure are happy. They don't have to worry about that. But to me, canceling the NFL preseason does more harm than good. To, to, than uh, for the, Canceling, I'll try, holy cow, it's been a tough day talking. Good thing I have to really talk for a few hours. Canceling the NFL preseason does more harm than good this year. I'll explain why. Number one, I think the biggest issue and the biggest area that we didn't really think it affects but it really does now is officiating. Because now a report came out that NFL officials and referees will not have any on-field training, will not work together until week one of the regular season. The first time they're getting together on a field as a crew is going to be the games actually matter in week one of the regular season. So no preseason games to work for the NFL officials to get back into shape. No t- visits to training camp, which they usually do. Those are canceled as well. So to me, that that's, that's not a good thing. When you have referees trying to get the kinks out, trying to get used to each other, trying to really get on the same page, and they're doing so when games actually count. Now, as we know, referees have been under the microscope more and more every year. High-definition TVs, slow-mo replays, better camera angles have really dissected every single call referees have made, and for the most part, unfortunately for them, some calls are missed, they're exposed on TV, and we all as fans freak out. A lot of outrage on social media. How can you miss that call? How can you make that call? No one's there. The referee losses the game. The pressure to be an NFL referee has never been higher than it is right now. And now, that's only going to increase because guess what? You're going to put these guys on the field, put them with the same criticism, but they don't have any training. Could you imagine? Could you imagine if the NFL decided to cancel training camp? and just said, you know what, we're going to see a week one. What a disaster that would be! Imagine there's no training camp and the first time teams could come together, the first time Patrick Mahomes could throw to his receivers, the first time Deshaun Watson's throwing to his receivers, the first time Joe Burrow is meeting his Bengals teammates or Cam Newton's meeting his Patriots teammates. It was week one on the field. Imagine how ugly that would be. Imagine how many mistakes there would be. Imagine just how bad of a product that would be on the field. You're doing that with referees. I understand their training is different physically. You know, you could still train on your own. But the NFL is a game that goes, it moves quick. These players get faster, bigger, and stronger. So things happen in the blink of an eye, faster than they ever have. So to not have your eyes basically trained to have the speed of the game, to know what you're looking for, to practice any new rules they're going to put in, I think it's going to hurt the first few games of the regular season. Not to mention, let's look at, let's look at it from the pandemic point of view. Right? With this, you're obviously in a big question mark. Players going to get sick. Coaches going to get sick. Well, referees can also get sick. And the NFL didn't hire any extra referees this year. So the number that they have, that's it. So guess what? If an official gets sick the night before the game, the week before the game, he's not replaced. There's no one to replace him with. So what happens is the referee crews shrink. Well, guess what? Now all of a sudden referees are going to be different spots on the field. They have to look out for more. Their responsibilities increase. There's no way to practice the increase in responsibilities, there's no way to practice maybe positioning yourself differently, see what works, what doesn't work. So now you're going to have less referees in the field covering more ground, looking for more infractions, and then basically they have to adjust on the fly, learn on the fly. That sounds like it's going to be a recipe for disaster. That sounds like we're going to have a lot of complaints on social media the first few weeks of the season. And it's going to be, I think, a big, big point of emphasis that could possibly take away from the game, could possibly be the major storyline as referees, as we know. We love complaining about officials. We love complaining about referees. So to have them basically get no practice, no training until week one of the season, to me, is scary. That's one harm, I think, of canceling the preseason. Another harm, speaking of coronavirus, speaking of the pandemic, you don't allow now travel protocols, stadium protocols, to be practiced. Right now, teams aren't going to travel to games. Teams are going to travel to other cities until it actually matters. So, if you had two preseason games, one home and one away, you could practice putting travel implications, putting travel protocols in place for the preseason, and see what happens. We'll sit every other seat. We'll go to the hotel. Guys will not share a room. You can do. Take it with different things to keep players safe. You get no way to practice that until week one of the preseason season, and it actually counts. And guess what? If there's a gap in your "quote unquote" bubble, if there's a hole in your plan, where somehow the virus could either enter. The team or a player, there's no rules or not enough strict rules. And the player goes out, brings catches the virus, brings it back. Guess what? They're not missing preseason games or missing training camp. You're missing real games now. It gets real. So there's no way to button up and practice travel protocols when you're going to away games or have stadium pro- uh, precautions or stadium protocols set. By the time the regular season starts, you know what works and what doesn't work. The NFL is still playing to have fans. Think about that. On July 23rd, the NFL still plans having fans on the stands. Now, different teams have different rules and regulations. Right? The Jets and Giants won't have fans, but the Ravens said they'll operate uh, at a lower capacity. The Dolphins have put out a plan for operating at a lower capacity. Teams are going to have fans, or some teams in states that allow fans to attend games, they'll have fans. Or It's 20% capacity, 30% capacity, 15%, whatever it is. You're going to have fans in the stands. Well, and to do so, don't you think you want a preseason game or two, maybe to practice some protocols, see what works, see what doesn't work? That was an opportunity at least to see. Okay, you know what? Maybe we're over over secure on security. We can you know, let a little more people in. Maybe you know we have to tighten it up a little bit more. There's different ways and areas you can gauge what you're doing and test what you what protocols you want to put in place. And the preseason and games were okay. You know, what? if fans are 10 minutes late to the game, fine. That's not a big deal. It's preseason. Who cares? Now, really, there's no margin for error. Traveling has to be buttoned up and has to be perfect from day one. Stadium protocols have to be perfect and buttoned up from day one. The margin for error has shrunk, and basically it's zero. And finally, just looking at this from a pure football perspective, pure on-the-field, X's and O's football perspective, the quality of play for the first two, three, four weeks of the season is going to suffer. A great example is last year. Chicago Bears 2019, they rested basically every single starter for the preseason. Didn't, you know, Mitchell Trubisky, Khalil Mack, any prominent starter on the Bears didn't play at all in the preseason last year. Once now, Missed all four games. Matt Nagy a few weeks ago, a few months ago, basically said he regrets that decision. He thinks the slow start the Bears got off to could be accredited straight to not playing in preseason, not kind of ironing out some of the kinks, and not having his guys ready to play from from the jump. So now we have every team essentially missing every single playoff, uh, missing every preseason game, every starter, not getting any sort of reps. Not to mention, you think part of the reason for training camp, and maybe if you don't play in the preseason, what you do is you, you have a joint practice against another team. So if the Giants, let's say, are playing preseason game against the Jets on Thursday. Well, Monday and Tuesday, the Jets and the Giants would scrimmage against each other. You know, you have practices where you, are, you have your first-team offense going, it's first-team defense. So sure, if you don't want to put your starters in the preseason game itself, well, you have scrimmages in practice that kind of mimic the intensity of a regular season game, and you get to hit someone that's not your own team. Well, that's not going to happen this year. No preseason games, which means you're not going to have any joint practices, which, again means that you're going to have some ugly football the first month of the year, and injuries could honestly increase. Think about it. Part of the preseason and part of training camp was used to get players' bodies back in shape. Now I understand now they all, everyone has personal trainers. Everyone has access to a gym or a field, and you're always training. It's basically 24-7. There's no off-season. Well, obviously, the pandemic put a halt on that. Some players didn't have access to the proper equipment or the proper training that they normally do have in a regular off-season. So guess what? Maybe they come a little bit out of shape. Maybe they come less stronger than they hope to be. you got to work your way back into getting into shape, work your way back into playing shape. Part of that is hitting in practice, hitting in the preseason. Well, that's not going to happen. So no scrimmages or joint practices or preseason games is going to make it harder to replicate the intensity that comes with the game. And for a lot of these teams, a lot of these big-time players, the first time they will go in an environment that is intense, that is game like will be week one. So, the quality of play is going to suffer. I really do think so. So, quality of play is going to hurt. As you heard, Matt Nagy just straight out, you know, accredited a slow start because his players and his starters didn't play in the preseason at all, at all last year. That's so going to be the same for every team. So, play is going to be sloppy. You can't really test any stadium or travel protocols until it actually matters. And if there's a hole, your team's going to suffer. Players are going to get sick. And they're going to miss real games that count. Not training camp or preseason games. You're going to miss real games. And my biggest concern, honestly, is NFL officials. There's no training camp now for them. They don't have any preseason games to work. They're not going to training camps this year to prevent travel. The first time they work together is week one of the regular season. As we know, officials have been criticized. Officials have been really um, focused upon. These last few years, as you know, as uh, the TV angles get better, as HD gets better, as we see in slow mo replay what happens and whatnot. We are really armchair referees. The armchair quarterback has turned into the armchair referee. I think it's going to make their job that much harder this year when you can't get any training, when you can't train your eyes to the speed of the game. And you're just going to be basically getting back in shape, working your way back to midseason form in games that actually count. So to me, I look at all these factors as the NFL canceled the preseason. It does a lot more harm than good. I think the game's going to suffer in a few different ways. And I think that, you know, while players are happy, sure, no preseason games, no meaningless games, no reason to get healthy, less wear and tear on our body. I think in the end it's going to be a big detriment and it's going to hurt the game more than it's going to help. That's going to do for this edition of the Morning Boys. I appreciate you guys tuning in. I really appreciate Sarah and Nick for having just an incredible – The best 2020 apocalypse we've had so far. Sarah advances on the third question in overtime. The very last question, she advances. So congratulations to her. She's in the Final Four along with Lauren Clark. We'll crown our other two Final Four contestants on Monday and Thursday. And folks, this is the first time I could say this in a while. Enjoy. Watching sports this weekend. Enjoy Opening Day tonight. Enjoy Opening Day if your team plays tomorrow. Enjoy watching a full weekend full of baseball, full of golf, and next weekend we'll have baseball, basketball, and hockey. It's a great time to be a sports fan. Sports, we've missed you. Thank you for coming back. Enjoy a weekend full of baseball. Hope your team does well. We will talk about it all from Opening Weekend on Monday when the morning boys return. Right here on the Worldwide Sports, right in Eric.
0: It's the World Wide Sports Radio Network.